Hey, it's a me, Mario. Love Channel 101, but hate looking at shit? Try Frequency 101. All you gotta do is record an audio pilot, make it five minutes or less, and submit it to... Submissions at Channel101.com! The listening audience will vote for the favorites, Mamma Mia, and the top five shows will return next month. And don't worry, it's all audio, so you won't have to look at any flop dongs. Frequency 101, you won't have to look at any dicks or buttholes. You are listening to Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast where time flies and we talk with all sorts of Primetime Channel 101 and Frequency 101 people, creators, writers, actors, directors. And the point is to get to know these wonderful people and we'll learn more about their craft, certainly their relationship with Channel 101. And I'll use my time to shower them with much deserved appreciation, affection, and gratitude for their work. Welcome. It's episode four. We are just over a week away from Club Bahia on 1130 Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles, opening up its doors for this month's Channel 101 screening at 7.30 p.m. Sunday, August the 1st. I'm assuming that's door time. God damn it, that sounds exciting. I hope it's being streamed. I will find that out. Now, as I do this more, I hear myself talking less, like, alone and condensing what I say more. And the only thing that will change that in a very specific way or segment is if I get listener emails. And you can send those into todddonald at gmail.com. That's T-O-D-D-D-O-N-A-L-D, like the duck, uh, at gmail.com. Channel 101 is on everything, but Instagram and Twitch more prominently. And if, for some reason, you're not connected already, at channel 101 official Uh, follow the links in the episode notes too there's lots of great stuff we're all over the place baby now that's enough of just me talking happy friday my 101 wonderful listeners please give a warm round of applause for my guest or welcome to the show an actor as well as producer filmmaker who plays natasha and various other characters in the work of jason gudez We'll be talking about that and other shows she's graced us with, like Butterfly, Come Vienna Va, Thieves, Street Cleaning, and Binary 46. Here she is, Emily Green. One thing I wanted to ask, just out of curiosity, do you smoke? Because some of the characters that you play in Channel 101 shows smoke. No. Oh my God, no. It was so... Hard. Like at first, I think Jason wanted me not to really smoke, but to to look like I was good at smoking. And I have never smoked. I mean, I have. That's not true. You know, in college, I could. I was drunk and probably had a cigarette, and then I would. It would choke me out, and then I'd be like, "I'm never doing that again." You know. Yeah. So I have no experience smoking. Really. So I would just feel so awkward with that cigarette. And so that's why we kind of settled on it just hanging out of my mouth and it never being smoked, except there's like a little bit of the smoking maybe in the first, the pilot episode or whatnot. But yeah, I am so unnatural with it. And every time someone brings it to me, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but maybe you think I do because it's Natasha. I don't know. Right, right. Maybe it's like part of that French new wave cinema aesthetic. Yeah. Like a pretty depressed girl smoking stereotype. Yeah. And (laughs) was there another one? I'm getting stuff mixed up, but there's like French New Wave influence on very loose, very soft influence on some of the the people that that worked with in 101. And I'm sorry that I haven't started yet, but I just like, I love it so much. I love the lineage of 101. When you see that, like in the 2000s, all these people were doing like robots and and, and dick monsters and uh, Nazi versus Jesus or... And then in the 2010s, you have your Kavitskis and your gardeners doing like cerebral dark stuff. And it's all 101. It's all fucking awesome in the, in the best way. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I know. I loved like that's right when me and Jason came in was when, you know, Alex and Ariel were doing their stuff. And we were, we were like, we want to be friends with them. We want to make things with them. Like the whole thing. Yeah. I love that cross pollination of, of talent. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I'm trying to remember a name. She made... She was the, I think, uh, production designer. Oh, yeah. Esther? Yeah. But Esther Song Kim? Yeah. Yeah. 
the movie about the dog, Sir Philip. Oh yeah, Sir Philip. She and I did that together. <laughs> I'm actually almost finishing a film that she and I started in 20, 2017, I think is when we shot it. And it has just taken me so long to get to it. And now I'm at the very final stages. So I'm really excited about being done with that. But nice. I love working with her. She's incredible. Oh, that's awesome. I, uh, I'm comfortable enough to, do, I'm a bit socially awkward sometimes, but I really love talking to people. I really do. I feel you. I am too. I am so shy. Like I struggle with social anxiety. I am not a, an extroverted out there person who, who's out and about talking to people. I can be extremely awkward. Yeah. So, you're <laughs> so just know. <laughs> I am genuinely happy to be talking with you. Like it makes me really happy. I, I really love your work, but I'll also be glad when it's over. I totally, I totally get that. <laughs> How are you doing today and lately? I, I'm doing great lately. I'm just enjoying the summer right now. Like I'm not other than a short film that I'm finishing from four years ago. I'm just doing my side jobs and, hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> it's <been> great. <laughs> like, do you feel with COVID not, we're not going to say gone just yet, <laughs> but in the state of LA or the state of things in Los Angeles right now is certainly a lot more promising than they were for everywhere just a few months ago. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely feels like it's opening up. I mean, obviously our, our mask mandate is back indoors. So it's, it's that murky time where you're like, where is it headed now? Are we going to go back into a lockdown? I'm like, I don't know. And I'm actually in Las Vegas right now. So I'm not okay. even there, but yeah, it's, it's, I, yeah, I have no clue. And I've taken such a long break from acting because of this past year anyway. So I'm kind of like, I'm really just waiting it out. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Well, like, I'm curious about that. I don't expect you to like sum it up in two sentences, but like yeah. as an actor, surely I assume someone who enjoys it a lot. What's it like to be in lockdown? Have you become Natasha? Like this is hopeless. I mean, yeah, definitely in the beginning, I really struggled because I like to be outside mm -hmm. and I'm a big hiker and mountain climber. So for the first couple of weeks, I felt extremely trapped and I did actually get I, my anxiety was through the roof mm -hmm. during that time. I was a wreck as time went on and, you know, things opened up a little bit more. I then went straight into only being outside so no one could get a hold of me because I was up in the mountains somewhere and I was not coming back. That's <laughs> like good as living. Long as yeah. So that's, that's kind of how the whole thing went down for me. And I'm still kind of in that mode of disappear and return briefly and then disappear again. And then people kind of just end up texting me and being like, so where are you? Cause no one's really sure. That's really cool though. Yeah. You know what? In the whole <laughs> considering like what's out there in Nevada, even uh, yeah. for, 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 like location, I guess. I guess power supply is the only issue. Why aren't you filming more stuff out there? It's it's beautiful out there. I know. I really do love it out here. It's hot. It's like it's 106 right now. Oh yeah. And it was 116 a couple days ago. So that was pretty brutal because you really feel the difference between 116 and 106. It's like 106 is bearable, and 116 is you're on fire. Right. That's degrees for those of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my entirely American audience. Yes. I know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, considering such a, such a large time has passed, are there any, are there any things that stick out as being like, not despite COVID, but just highlights in the last year and a half? Is that how long it's happened? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if you mean like life things or creative things, but anything, anything. I mean, I, I've had a lot of fun the last year and a half, like I've really found every bright spot that I could. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I climbed Mount Rainier. I climbed, I think I climbed like eight different mountains. Um, I got engaged. That's I, pretty big. Yeah, I know. <laughs> the guy I've been seeing for four years, he's great. I, what else have I done? I saw my family a couple weeks ago and that was just wonderful. We had the best time together. And then I told you about like my short film that I was finishing. That's right. exciting. Uh, me and Jason, Jason wrote the feature for place. So that's been making its rounds and we've gotten some really good news about that. So we're looking forward to, you know, next year. And yeah, that's kind of the gist of it, of the positive things, I think. Uh, that, yeah. That's no, that's no small idiom from the forties. <laughs> small feet, maybe. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> 
So do you climb mountains with your fiance? I do. Yeah. We, we like, we've leveled up from just doing regular hikes to now doing mountaineering and whatnot. And it's, it can be really scary. It took me a while to get used to it, but no, I love it. I'm just an adrenaline junkie and I didn't know. Maybe I did know, actually. I've always known. (laughs) (laughs) I've always known that I'm like this. That's fantastic, though. I like yeah. uh, congratulations from a stranger that yeah. you just met today. <laughs> I know this might be obscure, but engagement notices for your friends and family ain't no mountain high enough. You can use that. <laughs> That's a good idea. That's a great one. That really is. We haven't we haven't even put any of that together, but I'm gonna put that in my back pocket. Right. The, for sure. <laughs> the, I mean, the only thing that you have to worry about, though, is do people know about that song? <laughs> Is it on the nose enough? Yeah, they should. (laughs) I've heard it a million times. They better know it. This clip is sliced from a show I'd like to call Street Cleaning, created by Ted Marsden and Nick Hurley. And you can hear my guest Emily here in episode eight. Excuse me, man. Is there a problem, officer? Oh boy. It's weird. It's like your hands are on my tits, but it feels like you're choking me. It's like you have mind powers or something. Listen, Lindsay, I, I've had an amazing time with you, but I, I don't like to lose control of my emotions, so I think... Is this the guy? So great to finally meet you. My wife tells me your dick game is quite strong. Can we pop over to a place called Place? Like, that short film? It's fucking awesome. I've watched yeah. it a couple times. I watched it once when Nick uh, posted it, one of your uh-huh. co-stars in it. Yeah, Nick. Like, it's so good. I laughed and I cringed and everything. And I've never seen a more beautiful self-make-out-in-the-mirror scene in anything. I've also never seen one, period. Oh, shit, you just froze. I'm so sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, jeez. (laughs) Yes, okay, so following my mediocre quip about... I was I was just gonna say with the mirror scene. Oh my gosh, I remember doing it and just feeling like slightly embarrassed, you know, because it's just me and Jason and Christian, the DP, in the bathroom, and there's and I'm just you know slobbering on the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. So when I finished that, my face was so red. I was just like, all right, well, that was great. <laughs> I'm glad we did that. It's so relatable because I feel like we've all done that at some point. <laughs> just yeah. learning, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. You, you've mentioned Jason a couple times. I know who you're talking about, and he might come up again. You've done a bunch of fantastic work together. Yeah. C- could I hear you, someone who knows him, say his last name? Gudas. Gudas. Yeah. Or Gudis, whatever. <laughs> right. I sometimes right. just call him Jason Gudis because that's what I've been calling him since I was a little kid, but right. it's Gudas. I was going to call him good ass or whatever. Yeah, right. That works too. (laughs) He always jokes that no one knows how to pronounce it. Not even him. Once more on place. When was that finished? We filmed that in late 2018, I think. So it it was a while ago. And that was a crazy shoot. Like, I don't know what Nick has said, you know? Because I was looking at, I listened to the Kelsey Abbott episode and I was looking on Spotify, but I didn't see Nick. So I was like, oh, I'm going to listen to Nick. He was on the Todd Donald show. That was the one that I just wrapped up. Oh, okay, so, okay. Because I was like, I wonder what he said. So I don't say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't talk about it. I didn't, I didn't know about it, but he posted a link on his Instagram bio and I went immediately to watch it. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, one-on-one people. Oh, this is moody. Oh, this is horrific in some ways, more yeah. cerebrally, but it's yeah. like ghosts, spirits, dark stuff. I'm not really doing a good job at <laughs> presenting someone who hasn't seen it, what it's all about. Have you had to give the ele- elevator pitch? I mean, gosh, it's so complicated to explain. I feel like we were just like, it's a, it's all those words that you said about a family that kind of moves into a house and the house just drives them crazy and 
like silly ways. I don't know. Right. <laughs> it is hard to explain. Like I remember telling people about it and then I would show my friends and they would be like, I don't know if you explained that right. Or like, that was really weird. You know, that's what everybody would say. So I was like, okay. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you could tell me if this is a spoiler or if spoilers aren't really an issue, but like, yeah. I like how the demon haunting your character was like counsel. It was like a friend who was like, you need to get away from this guy. He's, he's trying to own you. And I'm like, that's not a horrific ghost, but it comes through a creepy voice. Uh, right. Brilliant. I know. Well, that, that's the part that I love too when Jason like first brought it to me and he was showing me and talking about that or the, the thing that is inhabiting me and how it's just like this like evil version that's not really evil. Right. <laughs> but it changes, you know, it turns me into a narcissist. So. <laughs> It's it's the part of you that's telling you what you don't want to hear. Yeah, no. or the part I do want to hear. <laughs> right, right, that you need to hear. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's great. It's like symbolism through horror and comedy. It, it, I'll stop speaking for your work. Um, are you proud of what you're capable of on screen? Are you confident in your ability? Do, do you have that lack of imposter syndrome that gets the, to us sometimes? No, I- I absolutely have horrible imposter syndrome. I mean, I, if you put me in an audition room, I will start to sweat and panic and I'm overcome with this feeling of like, I don't belong there. And I've always felt like that. And it's hard because you, you walk into a room and everyone looks like you and all this stuff. And you're, and then I think to myself, like, I know I can do this, but then at the same time, the panic sets in. So it's really hard. I, I wouldn't even say I don't necessarily introduce myself to anyone as an actor either. You know, like when people ask me what I do, I'll say something else. Like I'll say random things. Like, (laughs) so yeah, I definitely, even though that was such a huge confidence boost and going to Sundance felt so good. And that was something I've always wanted. You know, when I, if you ask college me, what I, my dream was, it was to make things with people I love. Like I never really wanted to be in the system, you know, I just wanted to make our own stuff. So in that way, I felt like, oh, okay, I've actually like accomplished what I originally set out to do in a way, but now I would like to do it and make money. <laughs> but right, <laughs> um, that's hard. And it's a waiting game too. Yeah. Well, I want to apologize. I, I like getting to learn that, but I also have nothing to offer the relatability of being the acting creative realm, let alone like that really shifty business uh, puts you through the ringer world. It really does. Like, and I was taught, I was um, watching someone else was talking about being an actor the other day and I was watching their stories and they were just saying like, I can't believe I'm not being paid for this audition. They give me something that's so empty. It's just like some four descriptive words in a row and then you're supposed to create the whole audition yourself kind of like it's not giving you enough to go off of so it's like you're building this thing for them for free and they're wasting your time while you're doing it so I don't know I could go on forever about that but it's it really is just you get taken advantage of and it's um it really is such an up and down it yeah it takes you through the ringer (laughs) that's the easy way of putting it (laughs) Let's go through the list of things that make you sad to think about. And we're on <laughs> six. No, um, that's one of the things I love about 101. If you're talking about making things that you love with people that you love, was that something that you felt like you had with the people that you were working with before 101? No, before 101, I didn't because I had kind of, I had just moved out here or I'd been there for a couple of years and then Jason had moved out. Um, shortly after I did. And then he and I were making like just really silly, random things. They were more artsy than they were uh, narrative, I guess. <laughs> like, right. like bizarre. We would just like set up a bizarre scene and film it, you know, but there weren't any words or whatnot. And then we were both pretty depressed at the time because we had no friends, no jobs really. And we were like, what are we doing? And then Jason found Channel 101. And I can't remember how he came across it. I think he was, because he was working as a PA at the time. So he met someone who was like, oh, you should make something and submit to this. It's awesome. And we looked into it and we we're like, yes, we want to do it. So then he was like, well, you know, you'd play a great depressed goth girl. Let's make Natasha, you know? <laughs> what so do you mean? Was- what do you mean? <laughs> That's just me being myself. Yeah, yeah. Still, we'll film it. Yeah, he's like, we'll do that. So I was like, okay, cool. And um, so that was the first real like thing that we actually put together and made. And um, it was so funny because it was just me, him, and a tripod like hanging out in his home. And 
we had a blast that day. And then for that to be our first thing and then to just get right into 101, we were so excited. And it felt like at the time too, it was like, yay, we've got this community of people, you know, and they're all doing the same kind of thing we want to do. And then when we became friends with Alex and Ariel, it's like everything expanded and it was so much fun. I looked forward going to the Channel 101 monthly screening. It was like, yay, I'm going to go there and meet people and just, you know, be around the type of people I want to be around. These creative, like, yeah. fun, <laughs> you know, whole thing. Who, who are some of the people that, that like, embraced you in the scene? I'm, it's going to make them sound insignificant. Bypassing Alex and Ariel, if only because you, you guys made a bunch of work together as well. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking there was, like... Uh, Rochelle Williams was super nice to us when we got there. I'm trying to think of who back then, who else we connected with at the time. I think because I really just clung to like those few people that I knew. Like once again, like I'm so shy. I would go to these meetings and I mean these screenings and I would be so excited to be there. But then I would just stand in the corner and people would come up and say something nice to me and I would freeze and be like, thank you. (laughs) And I wouldn't even be able to tell people there about, you know, how great I thought their work was because I was just kind of paralyzed. And um, I I remember even at a point there was like a kind of a joke about it at the Channies. I was presenting at the Channies and um, Paul Isaacson was writing everyone's jokes, you know, so you don't even know what you're saying before you're saying it. And nice. I went up there and said my joke and it was something about how no one, no one will come talk to me. And I was like, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't mean towards me. You know, I can't remember what the full thing was, but I was kind of like, yeah, that is my <laughs> experience. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Tell them whatever you wanted to, to always tell them now. They're all listening. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm I, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> go back yeah, to 2015 and be like, let me tell you all, I love your, all of your work. If I could go back to 2015, I wouldn't have bought that car. Anyway, um, (laughs) (laughs) this next clip is from episode one. The first that is of Natasha, which was created for Channel 101 in uh, screened in March 2015, introducing both Emily and Jason to the big bad wolf pack of 101. Note that you have to watch the show in order to see Emily. And if you've seen the show, you can do as I do and imagine it. If you haven't seen the show, too bad, I guess. But here's Jason Goodaz doing a very sexy accent on the top of Natasha, episode one. I, I feel like shit. I has been this way for several days now. Every day I want to die a little more, yes? When the morning awakens me, I look up and say, Hello ceiling, is today the day I make my death happen? It only answer back, You can do anything you put your mindings to, Natasha. I had friend who felt this way once, and now she is dead. I cannot get her death out of my head space. Hello, cat. I brought some fucking tuna for you. Now where did that cutie go? Now where did that... Oh my god, she did it! I can't believe she did it! No, no! In the depths of my sadness, I return to old habits. Gustav tries to understand, but cannot help. I don't like to hear myself talk, but it sounds like I do. I'm sorry. Um, oh, you have a nice voice. <laughs> thank you. Now, primetime flyer stats is where I just go through like the basic numbers on the 101 profiles on the website. You are talent number... Two one oh one. Here's your baseball card stats. Oh, cool! I'm excited. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Green has graced the 101 big screen with 11. There might be more because Natasha Five has no credits on it, but I counted that 11 
brilliant and graceful performances as an actor. Uh, also shows a producer credit for episode four of Natasha. This journey starts with Natasha's first episode in spring 2015, as we, we were talking about, and finishes with your role in Binary 46, episode five, around the end of the pre-pandemic uh, screenings at a theater era. And that does not count the great performances and other great work that we're sort of already talking about by or with 101 people, mm-hmm. uh, including in place, uh, of course, Nick Hurley. Willie Roberts is in that as well. Mm-hmm. And um, On the Rocks, by the way, that, I mean, there, there's a lot of people in On the Rocks, and I love them all. Alex yeah. and Ariel's film, uh, Emily's in that. Oh, there it is. Esther Song Kim did the show Come Vienva or Come Easy, yeah. which, with your, which you're also fantastic in. What a goddamn community, right? And the last thing in Primetime's flyer stats is, did you receive any chanties? I don't think so. I think Natasha was nominated for a ton and we didn't win any. Oh no, I mean, I think, no. See, this doesn't count. I think I've won Best Failed Pilot. I didn't win it because it wasn't my pilot, but I was right. in a pilot. I think that counts. Yeah. <laughs> you should have won Best Best Actor for that. Uh, this is bullshit. I know, I, was, I wanted it. <laughs> But we were brand new, you know, like we didn't have the history with Channel 101 yet. Yeah. We were like, we hadn't put in the time and, and whatnot. But the other thing too, is like we kind of exited shortly after that. By 2017, we were all like working on our own separate right. things. So, But of course, you would occasionally act in some stuff between then yeah. and... Oh yeah, yeah, of course. If anyone approached me with Channel 101 stuff, I'm always like, yeah, I'd love to, because it's just so much fun. Before you had these Ch- Chani Award dreams, uh, I've learned that you were born and raised in Virginia. I know nothing about Virginia. What would what would you tell people oh about Virginia? Well, it's funny because whenever I meet people and they don't really know Virginia, they've met Virginians and they always say people from Virginia are so nice. And I think that's pretty true. I mean, I'm from a very rural, small town, grew up, you know, running around outside in fields and is very small, tight community. Um, and you know, Virginia is very pretty, it has all four seasons. Um, but it can be like where I grew up, it can be a little, I don't know to call it like country, like not redneck, but in that direction. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, I know, I know what you mean. Cause I know many people from many smaller towns and yeah. so it's a, a big, a thick bubble skin, <laughs> a thick bubble skin. <laughs> Uh, and that I'm just trying to put it in the most bubblegum way I could possibly could. Yeah. But that, that it's it's not black and white, right? It's there's no. there's a lot of purple states and there's a lot of purple provinces here in Canada. Uh, yeah. But Virginia Tech, I'm trying to make you rush your life story is what I'm trying to do. But I'm yeah. just curious to know, like, if you went to Virginia Tech and yes. your first office job is what made you crack and move to LA and yes. pursue acting, at what point? You didn't just like, oh, this office job sucks. What else could I do? Acting? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, so the really fast version of what occurred was I always wanted to be a dermatologist. Like that was my thing. So I went to Virginia Tech for science. When I got to Virginia Tech, I ended up having an autoimmune disease. So while I was there, I lost a lot of my hair. My eyelid got stuck in my head, so I couldn't close my eye. I gained I don't know, 50 pounds. And I was, um, my heart was racing so badly. I had to be put on heart medication. It was crazy. I had Graves disease. And so that happened. And I realized they basically told me, the doctors were like, you need to be coming back and forth to the hospital and the doctor's offices constantly. They're like, so what do you want to do about your course load? We recommend you take a year off. But me, who was like such an overachiever in high school and who wanted to be a doctor so badly was like, no, I will not. So Um, they were like, well, then maybe think about changing your major. And I sat there and was like, okay, well, what's something, you know, easy. I hate saying that because, you know, you're talking about a course load, but I was like, I'm going to do theater and cinema at Virginia tech, which it's not known for at all. (laughs) So I switched to that and I ended up graduating early. I went into remission. I worked that office job during that time, like over the summer while I was in college. And I was like, I am absolutely not doing that ever again. And that's when I, you know, left and just moved out. I just wanted to see, I wanted to see the whole world. I wanted to experience everything I possibly could because during that illness, I had felt so out of my body. I mean, everything had changed for me and um, I just wanted to live and live as hard as I possibly could. So that's how I ended up there and doing this. 
You made that up. No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's real. I mean, I. Like when I show people pictures of me from that time, they're just like, whoa, because I look crazy, you know, right. like this eye is like, it's this eye actually, but it's like this the whole time I slept with it open. <laughs> like It was right. really disturbing. <laughs> no, seriously, you're a goddamn superhero. Yeah, it was, wow. it was exciting. Going into remission from that was like a huge accomplishment in my life. And, I, and it's a lot of just luck in my body, me taking care of myself that kind of brought it back. I'm very lucky. You know, a lot of people don't go into remission with that disease. So, I mean, you got started on the rest of your life on the right foot, I would say probably (laughs) internally. Yeah. Make out with mirrors. I know. (laughs) So it's, it's crazy. It's like, uh, there was a long time too, where I would look at myself and I'm so used to looking at myself one way. And then I looked completely different and people kind of made fun of my appearance during that time. So that was really hard to then, you know, go back to normal. And I look, you know, exactly like I did before the disease now, but that it stays with you and you're, you're very conscious. So that was always hard too. Cause then I was like, okay, now I'm going to put myself out there for other people to look at me and judge me. And I've already been through that and it wasn't very nice. So it's, that's still a battle, but it's all good now. Well, it's like, I both can relate, but I can't, I was, I was bigger than this in college and I lost a bunch of weight and then I've put a lot back on. So yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> right. I know. I mean, that's just the fluctuation of life too. Like who knows what's going to happen there? Like great periods and then lower periods. And God damn it. I don't, I, I could imagine you uh, expecting to see yourself climbing mountains. No way. I couldn't even walk. Like walking would get my heart rate up too high. Right. I spent like a whole summer just on the couch, miserable. I know it's neither here nor there, but... <laughs> No, I'm, I'm every, every day is a gift. It's fucking true. Uh, you know, I used to sing all the time. And every time I got a sore throat, I was like, yeah. what if this never went away? What if this is just how I sound now? I know. I know that feeling that the anxiety that comes with getting ill is, is it really does feel like that sometimes like it's never going to go away. And then thankfully, most of the time it does. Yeah. This clip, uh, once again, uh, with an ensemble of voices uh, is one you have to see to understand unless you've seen it. Do yourself a favor and watch The Butterfly, a mysterious and wacky Channel 101 pilot by Rebecca Hubler. And this is some audio from it. This is what everyone wants. It's what you do when you get engaged. You get a diamond. It's forever. It's love and happiness. Jesus, fuck! You should see a doctor. No, 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 baby. He doesn't understand English. Uh... A doctor is someone who puts medicine into you. You know, uh, your mother almost married a doctor. Oh, he was a very passionate lover. And then she married me. Just uh, worried that I'm going to get an infection. You can get into your bloodstream. In my blood. Stream. Blood is what a doctor puts inside okay, you. Okay, Frank. Wait, how many guys have you even slept with? Technically five. Ha! I saw uh, in my country that is a very low number. It's actually average for my age group. Even so here, that is still you're very far behind. It's okay. It's it's just it's low. Why don't you just admit that you don't want to get married? I do want to get married. Do you? Yeah, of course. Just you and me, baby. Who doesn't want to get married? I spent too much money on you. It's just you and me. It's low for the United States. Just you and me. What the Going back a little bit further in Virginia, sure. Um, you mentioned before that you knew good as as a, a young young gentleman. You, you were childhood friends. We've known each other since we were five years old, and both from Virginia, obviously from the same town. But we went to different high schools and middle schools. Who did you grow up with? Oh, I have a younger brother, and then my parents, who are still together. I had a dog and three cats, and nice. we were a really close family. Like we still are. Like they're everything. I love them so much. And then Jason's family, not that you asked really, but he has an older sister and his parents, like the sweetest parents. And he grew up Quaker, which was funny. I still don't even know what that is exactly. Neither do I. (laughs) But like growing up, he and I, he would do um, backyard 
what's it called? Those, those shows, variety shows. And so I would go over to his house and I would do, you know, I would sing, even though I do not sing, but as a kid, I was like, I can sing and I cannot. <laughs> like we would, we would do put on theater. Um, Jason was always writing stuff and then I would play a part. So it was, it was really fun. Like growing up there. I loved growing up there. I really did. That's like a really cute, ironic like it all started there sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it really did. And then Jason and I, we would, as little kids, we would get into like funny arguments with each other. Um, in high school, we hung out with the same group of friends. And Jason used to say this thing where he thought, like he was always a little more distant. And me and my my best friend lives right next door to him. Like, I mean, you know, neighbors sharing backyards and whatnot. I would go over and peek through Jason's windows with her and he would just like stalk him sometimes because we were being like silly little girls. But Jason used to think that we were too cool for him. And I'm like, no, we were in your backyard stalking you. We were not too cool. We were weird. That's awesome. Yeah. I haven't done this math, but how many productions, if Natasha was the first, maybe Mm -hmm. how many shorts have you guys made? We've made Natasha... We made another random film before Natasha, but it wasn't like a real thing. Like it didn't, we didn't put it anywhere. We've made a film called Monica that I'm really proud of. Oh yeah, that's good. I love that. Yeah, we made Monica and then we did Place. And then we're hoping, you know, we'll do the Place feature together. And we were like, he was joking with me the other day. He was like, I think we've got, you know, four good features left in us to make together. <laughs> I was like, just four? <laughs> But, well, you know what? Okay, so it it ended up being a single digit number, but still, like that is beautiful work. Yeah, um, thank you. and I I didn't mean to put too much focus on away from you. I'm, you know what I mean. Oh, all of these things are a huge part of me doing what I do too. You know, like most of my stuff is collaborative. Like I am not the I'm the actor in it. You know, they and but they're like my best friends, and I wouldn't have made it any of these things without them. You know, like they bring right. me to it. So I, I feel like anyone in channel one and one can appreciate this because most of us, I'm sure, including yourself in, in some variants, we have uh, an obsession with making and performing that mm-hmm. sort of is, I'd say on a very small ratio to those who don't understand that impulse, don't have that interest, wouldn't watch any movie more than once or listen to any song twice. It's just, there's something that makes this <laughs> harder to relate to in terms of our goals when we talk to people who are like, so did you, did you stay on a narrow path and get yourself a doctor job? Yeah. Like, oh, are there acting factories? You're going to take your acting talent and passion and, and, and get yourself a, a straight job with tenure. Right. Or, or the other thing is like, people always ask me like, do you make money doing channel 101? Like, it's like, I'm always so, it's so bizarre how people are like, is that, what are it's they can only judge it based on on a monetary you know a linear monetary thing and if you're not doing that and it's like what are you doing like why would you just do that for nothing and i'm like you need it for your soul yeah (laughs) you have to just make things you're right Uh, there should be a price tag on experience and and creation absolutely Definitely. I don't know. A lot of people don't get that. But those are the people who are working the office jobs, usually, who are, who are passing that kind of judgment. Or I get a lot of like, oh, I love that you do that, but I could never live like that. And I'm like, it's right. not. It's definitely not for everyone. <laughs> for it, sure. I mean, it's true. You know what? It is what it is. Thank you for helping me figure that out. Just yeah. now. <laughs> I'm always figuring it out, too. I'm like <laughs> Wrapping my head around it again. What was the thought of the people who raised you? about the idea of that being something, a path that you were going to go down? I mean, my parents were, I put a lot of pressure on myself to achieve, or I did in the past. I really don't do that anymore, but it was, it was huge. You know, like I needed straight A's and whatever else. My parents were used to that version of me. So when I switched over to something else, they were still excited because it's still like a level of like, you're going to go try and do that thing. Like, okay, you know, that's going to be a wild ride. But the, it, the worst part for them was me moving away because we are so close. So that took such a toll on us. And I think that's the only thing that made them be like, we hate that you chose this path. Other than that, they like fully support me and they're so proud of everything 
that I do, but we definitely went through a rough patch where we just missed each other so badly that I was like, is not, you know, is missing out on that time with the people you love worth what you're pursuing? And when you're struggling and my parents see me struggling and saw me struggling in the past, they would be like, is it still worth it? Like to, to live like that. So that was the hardest part about that transition. They, and they definitely do support me and they are so proud of everything that I, any little thing, you know, like they clap at my finger paintings, but, um, which is so nice, you know, like I'm so lucky to have them and for it to be like that, but we definitely did go through like a really long period of of just struggling with each other because I wasn't there. And once again, when, um, when they're looking at it too, and they're looking at it in a, in a monetary sense, they're like, you know, as you're getting older, how are you going to fund the rest of your life doing this thing? Because we're not funding it, obviously. And so, and then when they would see me struggle, they would be like, you know, you chose this, pick yourself up. Obviously they're always there at the end of the day for me, but there are definitely these periods of like, there's nothing they can do for me and right. it's painful. <laughs> yeah. Everyone does. We're normal. Uh, yeah. But like the people who love you are always going to give you that painful bout of like, what are you doing? What are you yeah. going to be doing about? And my internal answer is I'm making my fucking frequency one-on-one show. Would you yeah. get my back? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now they're definitely in a place where they're just like, they appreciate it. Everything as as it is. They're just like, you made that film. We love it. Good right. for you. And they don't ask anything else, you know? <laughs> so. That's good. Yeah. Um, this is sort of loosely tying what we're talking about into uh, one-on-one again. Uh-huh. Some of the people that you've worked with might be able to come on and verify this. So answer honestly. I, this is, I can't act. Um, if I were to ask directors and actors that you worked with in the past, what is it like working with Emily Green? What would they say? I think, I think they would say it's very pleasant. <laughs> I'm easy. I think I'm very easy to work with. You know, I listen and I can adjust and um, I can be really silly too when I get in that situation, that on, on set. And, but then I can also be extremely removed and once again, not talking to anyone out of like shyness. It really depends on the day, but I feel like I'm an easy person to work with and which is why I, they continue to do things with yeah. me. <laughs> like, like I can deliver most of the time. <laughs> So, <laughs> I'm I'm just being that like super sport. Like I've seen your stuff. You're fucking great. Okay, you're <laughs> fantastic. Don't let them naysaying your work <laughs> ethic talent. I'm sure they would say nice things. I, yeah. I the follow up question could always be like, uh, and what do you want people to say? But isn't that isn't that the same answer? Yeah, I want them to think I'm pleasant. <laughs> I want them to think that I can do anything. <laughs> like, right. like they can ask me anything and I can do it. I don't know that they would say that because my, I my I remember doing on the rocks and so much of it was like improv. And I mm. pan- once again had the panic and was like, thank God I'm playing this like quiet girl in this, you know, I'm the quiet makeout girl in that movie. So I'm like, it's not that hard. I can just exist. And that's my, yeah, I think they would say my improv skills are like subpar. There's some long marathon shots and scenes with uh, Chase and Nicole in the husband and wife scenes. And I'm I'm like, even if they're acting, I feel so uncomfortable. I'm doing a marathon watching it. Damn it. I love this. <laughs> I know. It's I what know, Alex really, and Ariel do. I know. I loved, I loved watching them together playing that couple. Uh, Butterfly, I think it was. Another one-on-one show that you're fantastic in. What was yeah. fucking happening again with a mirror? You pulled your ear off at the end? Oh, yeah. I pulled my ear off because I think I was turning into a, either a caterpillar or a butterfly. Like, that's what okay. was going to happen. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, if you take that like David Cronenberg fly ending and the, it's called Butterfly, you can sort of put two and two together. Yeah. I just want to get insider <laughs> right. knowledge. That's what was happening. I was slowly turning into a bug. The fifth and final episode of Natasha was a beautiful 11 and a half minutes in length, concluding but an earlier chapter of a larger story that brings Emily Green on this show today. I know that's not profound in any way, but here's a clip. It's Natasha episode five. I have no job because the boss overdose. 
I have no therapist because the jealous wife stabbed him. I have no suitors because they are all dead or missing. My only wish is to meet my death. But death do not want to meet me. I wanted to go through suicidal alone, but I am forced to ask for outside help. Suicide helpline? Do you guys have any ideas? They recommend I find someone else who wants to die and we can use each other as a support system. They make bullets that can pierce height of bear. Maybe these will work. Could be worth a shot. On top of all these things, idiot former fiance Gustav's shit girlfriend does not like my dead cat hanging in the living room. Clover think it is time to take cat down. Out of the question. If there be one, what's your big career pursuit? Like, uh, and if it's a separate question, fine. What's your happiness tied to? in terms of the future? My big, so complicated. It's time to do a couple things. I would obviously love to keep working. Like I really do want to make the features with Jason, you know, like he is my main collaborator. So that's something like I want, when he makes things, I want to be in them. So my happiness is partially tied to that. My happiness is also partially tied to me living in the mountains and having no contact with anyone. So I don't know how I'm going to work out both, but that is what I want. Oh, no, you, you mean it. You want to live in the mountains. Okay. I really do. That's like, a, that's like a, a later dream. You know, like I, I would like to have a family. I, there's all these things. I really do want to make these movies and then, you know, maybe work with some other people too at the same time. That would be great. Right. Um, and, but I really want like a home life and I want to have a, I don't want to be a part of, Hollywood, I guess, right. to say. Like, I don't want to be wrapped up in all that kind of stuff. I'm just not like that. I never have been. I'm uncomfortable. So I don't know what that means for me as I move forward, but <laughs> that's more how I feel. Yeah. Hopefully you're, you're becoming more like you and that you, yeah. that you like who that is. No, I do. Yeah. I do like who I'm becoming. I hope that I can, I hope that I find more success when it comes to these films and that we are, you know, we keep like leveling up with what we're making mm-hmm. and getting smarter and making cool, strange things. That's, that's what I want for the future. You, you aren't asking for, for any more from me than anything, but I have no control over how these things play out, you know? All right, right. kid. Uh, All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I send my love and friendship out to those of you who make this stuff. I think it's great. I don't know if, if place is at the end of its journey, but I mean, like, uh, whatever I can do to fucking put the word out. Right. I'm like, if anyone out there wants to put money into our place feature, call us. There's some geniuses here. I mean. Yeah, place is not over. Place is just getting started, I think. It's a steal of a deal. It's a golden opportunity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm. Fingers crossed things are working out in the right direction for that one. Okay, well, the heading here to bring yeah. it back to 101 is Channel 101. And yes. Place was made by some people, all who have done terrific work for 101. You were in the second episode of Thieves, which was Nick Hurley, the Ted Morrison. That's um, right. I forgot. I've done, I've done so many things with Nick. <laughs> you were like an agent. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was some, some type of secret agent I, I remember wearing like a black uh, like an all black thing yeah like a veil or something <laughs> that, one, that one feels really like a long time ago to me there's street cleaning i remember that one yeah that yeah that was, was hilarious that was super fun um and i love ted and nick they're they're so great working with them is always so much fun it's just nice. the whole crew is so much fun <laughs> it's a good scene this channel one yeah, thing and the- it really is and like really nice, well-meaning people too. Mm-hmm. Big hearts. All of that. If you did storyboards for one one-on-one show, you're mm-hmm. a one-on-one to me. You yeah. can escape it. That's how I look at things. You just learned something there. So you told me how you found out about one-on-one. Do you like its functionality? How it's an aristocracy, monthly basis, 
a panel decides which five, preferably five it can actually compete with and earn a fair vote against and that whole thing. Do you like how that runs? Yeah, I loved it. I loved going when you go there and you know the whole audience will, you know, back then the whole audience was voting for it and just hoping that you impressed everyone that night and like looking around and being like, do you all like me? (laughs) 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 It's just, I really do like the format. I like that it's monthly. I mean, it puts a lot of pressure on you to turn something out. And I remember that feeling too of being like, oh my gosh, you know, on, on the weekends we have to go and shoot this thing and we have one day to do it. And you know, everyone's working with each other to lend a hand in whatever way they can, you know, like some days you're the PA on set, some days you're the actor on set, and then sometimes you're editing, like not me, because I can't edit, but (laughs) I could PA. (laughs) You know, the truth is, anyone can edit. And those of us who who do it, we hate it. So we need more people to to, (laughs) to do it. I know. Gosh, that's the one of the things I remember is like for, for editors, people are always looking for someone to, to edit if you're not editing your own thing. And, and it's such a painful favor to ask of someone because I'm like, right. you can't enjoy doing this. <laughs> but I need you. <laughs> Please. There's, there's a lot I'll do for free. If I'm yeah. editing, oh. ching squeeze me. <laughs> How much? Oh my God. <laughs> if what you say matches my rent this month, then we got a deal. I know. I, I like how this happened organically, but a lot of the one-on-one stuff, like throughout, you sort of like um, feeling a sense of community. Like I remember, so me, this is like a, just a random story, one-on-one Please. related, but me in 2017, was it 20, Yeah, it was 2017. It was me, Esther, Rebecca Hubler, Alex, Ariel. That was our crew. We all went to Italy. And while we were there, we brought, you know, a, a film camera and we shot the Come Vieni Va, the Come Easy film. We shot that yeah. all on our, our iPhones. And it was just so, it was such an incredible experience. It's still, when I look back on that, one of the best times of my life. Like I have never had, I've never felt so myself as I did while I was there with them. And of course, while we were there, it's just funny how we started making a film and it was Esther's idea. And, it was just funny how it's like, of course, even when we leave the country or we're supposed to be on vacation, we're still making something, you know, and it never felt like work. It was just fun. Yeah, and every moment that you were seeing was us like really living it, except for certain points where it was like, you need to cry right now for this one part. <laughs> so and you're crying, but that's not a part of the actual experience. But yeah, I just look back on that time and I was like, I still, oh, it's just the best time ever. That's wicked. Yeah. I will watch that again, like knowing the story now, which is kind of yeah. neat. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's such a beautiful, beautifully shot film. Uh, yeah. Like that was the most French New Wave cinema yes. one-on-one show ever, except for the typewriter. Oh. Like, I hold that on high as one of the best things ever made. Um, I don't think I've seen the typewriter. Oh, I... I well, need to. <laughs> Kate, Kate Coyne? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love her. She's so great. <laughs> I got like lightning bolts firing, but going like, yes, you work together on this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a nut, I think, because I'm not getting paid to, to love one-on-one. It helps having people who, who appreciate it too, you know? Yeah. Because otherwise, like, what are we doing it for? Absolutely. Damn it. That's a perfect ending, but I'm going to blabber us out. I want to say something to you that's true for you. And it's also true for anyone that I've had on before and anyone that I will have on this podcast. We're talking right now, like verbally like this for like an hour or two. And I come to this with a huge appreciation for your talent and your work. I don't necessarily know when the next time will be, but unlike those who live in Los Angeles, I know that I won't be running into any of you at a screening but just know that my human care won't go anywhere. So like if we interact on Instagram, like you post your that short that you're finishing up right now comes out. My high-fiving on the internet about it is sincere. And it really, really means a lot to me that you took the time to chat today. Oh, so, of thanks. course. I appreciate you having me. It's so much fun. I haven't gotten to kind of reminisce on that part of my life in a long time. And it really was just a huge... A, a huge stepping stone and a 
some of the best years of my, you know, my early 20s were spent doing that. And I loved every second of it. I really did. Especially looking back on it, you know, because you don't really remember any of the hard stuff anymore. <laughs> but I appreciate that. I, I hope you know that when I support you through the internet, I mean it too. Completely, oh. sincerely. Yeah. <laughs> Is it off the table completely that you'll ever do a one-on-one show again? It's possible. It's definitely not off the table. I mean, if anyone asked me to do any part for them, I would, of course, do it as long as I was in town. I would do it in a heartbeat. Keep enjoying your summer, Emily. Uh, Congratulations on your engagement. Thank Thank you for your time. Yeah. One Hit One of Wonders. It's time for another edition of One Hit One of Wonders, a mini docu-segment in this podcast where I get help exploring the mystery of those who get a show screened during the prime time, and that's the first and last show that we see by them on Channel 101. July 2021, we're spotlighting my inspiration for this segment, Y2K Babes. And if you haven't seen it, links will be posted in the show notes, I fucking promise. And it's also on creator Jaden LaBelle's YouTube. Jaden and Mashka Wolf co-star in a sharply written, visually breathtaking, stylish, and sleek show about two women doing a sketch show and writing for television in a world that hates women, also known as The World. The show screened two episodes in September and October 2018 and would be the first and last Channel 101 show by Jane LaBelle. Last week, I talked about it with my guest Chase Omark and played a clip from episode one. Here's a clip from episode two of Y2K, babes. Do you want a woman to shut up? You gotta fuck her ass, dude. Not her ass, but like, just fuck her in general. You could fuck her ass if you're dope. God damn it, why do we make a show about women? People hate women. I know, and now we have to do all those annoying things like have a narrative, character development, and a story arc? Oh, I hate that shit. Oh fuck, we're late for our meeting, at our jobs, where we work, five days a week. Bong digga 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 bong digga bong. Oh my god, did you see that? What? Of course he'd ask a man for change, but not us. Do you have change? No. So you just want him to ask you so you can say no? I just want him to show me the respect of asking. Excuse me, sir. My friend was offended because you didn't ask her for change because she's a woman. I didn't ask because she looks like a bitch. Yeah, that's fair. She totally is. I would have definitely said no. Good instinct. But why didn't you ask me for change? Because you look like you got pepper spray in there. Wow, she totally does! It's like my main thing as a character. You really get people. And with me now to talk about Y2K Babes is KP Parker, who was, I believe, producer on the second episode. Yes. Hi. I was technically producer, which was a very nice title I think they threw for me. It was sort of a whirlwind. Usually a producer, I think, would come in, you know, all early and do a lot of things. But I absolutely only helped the day of. So I think it was a, a nice thing that they did by giving me producer. But it was really like I got an Instagram message from Jaden the morning of their shooting being like, any chance you want to run down to this address for Y2K Babes? And that was all it said. And I was a big fan. They're so nice. Jaden is so sweet. And the show, I was obviously a fan of another female duo show after making partner. So I had no idea what I was going to be doing, but I ran down. I assumed I was going to be acting. (laughs) And then I got over to Loyola Marymount, I think is where it was. And I think they just needed some extra hands on set for sound things, which was wild. So I was holding a boom mic at times and just helping out with anything they needed. So it was definitely more of just like what I would credit as helper girl, but (laughs) I think they gave producer, which was nice. (laughs) Obviously the competition was fierce in October, Mm -hmm. 2018. Uh, That was the first bachelor boat with dads. Ah. Uh, That was the first of the, uh, the epic demons. It went out with wave race 64. 
entrepreneurs didn't even get a chance that screening. Uh, oh yeah. Wow. That was a big screening. Okay. Yeah. It was the Halloween, I guess, uh, obviously October, but yeah, it kind of sucks that we didn't see another one. What I'm wondering is Jaden, like you were there. How was the announcement of the results uh, received and did it have anything to do with like them not making another show? No, I think, you know, that was a great screening. Entrepreneurs should have gotten more episodes too. Uh, Wave Race could have gotten more episodes for sure. So I think it was a tough screening, especially because cinematography, everything looked so good that yeah. month. And I think that was an issue almost is that everything was at this high quality visually that I think their show may have gotten buried underneath. Like Wave Race looked incredible. Demons looked incredible. Bachelor Boat with Death. I think they just kind of got buried in what was their spot. And especially doing like a sketch-ish format, uh, which I know it wasn't like a sketch show, but kind of ish. I think they just got a little buried in shows with really strong narratives. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you could filibuster that episode one even, which is in some ways announcing itself as, as a sketch show mm-hmm. you, you, you could argue that it is a narrative show in yeah. the four you know where I'm going yeah I do and I think there's no nothing wrong with carving your own spot as a sketch show I think that a lot of times people think it's fun to see short snippets I think the problem with channel 101 sometimes is it's already an, an hour of short snippets like it's right. already five minute chunks and then sometimes with a sketch show it can feel like super short chunks but I thought it was still so fun and it was so their voice. Their voice was so strong. I think that's why people loved it, even though it was only two episodes. I would agree. I love the visual style. Mm. I, the writing is super sharp. It's saying something for sure. I love women on screen. I'm, I don't belong to that crowd of douchebag <laughs> bloggers from the, from the second episode. And also the, they're acting. Like the performances are like sharp and it, it really is a fantastic, well-made show. That is always proof of anything of the fact that the people behind it are always due to make another great show. Would you be able to tell me where they've taken? Because I don't know. I don't know where on the web. Like, what what did they do later? I mean, it's hard to know. I follow Jaden on social media. And the thing, like, outside of even just the work, which maybe I don't follow as closely, like, Jaden is just so nice. And I love that so much. Of And from the start, the first screening was even, like, she brings such an energy and like is joyed to be a part of the evening, which I think can be so intimidating. I've heard from other people that one-on-one can feel so intimidating, but it's so nice to see someone that's just like really confident and funny. So I don't know specifically about work, but I know as far as a social presence, Jaden is still very fun, very sweet. I am recalling when they were on Nick and Brad's podcast, definitely heard an enthusiasm and love for the community and the, the world of one-on-one. One Hit One of Wonders is all mm-hmm. about people who make one show and then either do other stuff or never do a show again for one one and that's right. and that's where we stop wondering. Yeah. As someone like yourself, KP, who's made terrific shows, I've been a fan for a long time. Obviously, uh, Making Partner was like the one where I latched on and went like, anything they do, anything they do, <laughs> I'm on it. Uh, fucking Rumspringa, you know I love that show. Of course. Uh, you know I love... Very eerie. Gone too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're cooking something. Uh, I am cooking. I'm cooking. What What do you think, as someone who's been around and has known a lot of people in and out of 101, what, what are the neutral reasons that someone would not make another show for 101? Yeah. No, that's a good question. I think, and this is total guessing because obviously I'm addicted and <laughs> I've made a bunch of shows, but... I know that like with Y2K Babes, they put that and the credits on IMDb. And that to me says that like, you know, they're probably submitting it to festivals or festivals was the eventual goal or the thing that happened with it or shopping it around in places. So I think that some people like, and I think I could definitely stand to do that more, but I think that some for some people, an in-person crowd is great. But there is this question of like, what is this as a greater career choice? What does this lead to? So Channel 101 can feel like part of a larger process to some people, or it can feel like the whole process. Like I like for some projects for it to feel like the whole thing. The whole thing was I made this for Channel 101. The other part of it could be I made this to test myself, then now I'll take it to festivals or this and this and this. So I think that's the impression that I got was like, this was proof of let's try this in front of an audience. 
and see what they like and see what sticks and then move past it, which I think is a totally good idea. (laughs) Yeah. When you think about it, depending on the person, one-on-one could be a giver and not a taker or vice versa. And for some, it's always both. I I definitely, Mm -hmm. uh, what else is something that, that you remember from, well, I, I don't know, any part of it. Yeah. That was memorable. Uh, I remember the equipment rocked on set. I was like, oh man, this camera's humongous. And it's always fun to see, you know, Channel 101, you show up on set and you just have no idea how low budget is low budget. <laughs> but I remember being super excited because all the equipment was really nice. And we got to shoot in like a, you know, an empty office building, which is always nice because you feel like you can mess things up and take your time. So that's always kind of fun is when the equipment's nice to look at. <laughs> Agreed. It's kind of crazy when you see like productions like that. For instance, uh, shout outs to Ted Marston, who I haven't talked to. You know, anything he shoots looks professional as a yeah. big budget move mm-hmm. <laughs> I figured I'd take my struggling to put words together to the <laughs> I was like, am I glitching my computer? <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably shut. Or... <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Brad Gage, who's been on my other podcast, Mick Torres and Tomas Moreno Johnson played the three boob namers. Episode two. <laughs> uh, tatas. Mm. Uh, gazangas. Milkers. Uh, tasties. Uh, goo-goos. Goo-goos. Yeah. Uh, big ol' Slip slaps. Bing bing bongs. Bonobo. Yeah. Chest asses. Big plastic bags from Ralph's. Sarah. This is my aunt. She's huge tits, too. It seems absurd, but it seems to have been by the creators an acceptable part of a show to have because mm-hmm. it's a, it's a lead into the fact that they were in the room the whole time. Of course. How long were you there for that scene? Because that was one in the office. Yeah. That's a glorious montage of boob name ideas. Yes. How long did they go on for? Oof, man, it's been so long, but I definitely remember that was one of the reasons, you know, did I love holding a boom mic? Not necessarily, but when it is around... Brad Gage, especially, who's just so funny and making him be mean, I think is one of the greatest things in this whole world, which is what we did like first episode of making partner too. We make him be an asshole. So I think it's very fun to see him be a douchebag. So I remember having a lot of fun. So I do think they definitely were cracking each other up, which I loved. They were making each other laugh a lot during that day. Thank you for talking with me about Y2K Babes. It's nice to get an insight. I I adore their work so much. And thanks for spending some time with me to talk about it, KP. I can't say it enough. Everything you do is gold to me. And you're just the best. Oh, thank you. I'm cooking something new for you next month, okay? I'm cooking some some show. (laughs) August. This podcast features music used with permission from the Holocene EP by Postmodern Machine. Available wherever you get bandcamp.com, but please visit postmodernmachine.com. This has been Primetime Flies, a Channel 101 podcast hosted by Todd Donald. Thanks for listening.